0: How much do you think a dollar doubled every day? How much do you think that'd be worth on day 31, the end of a month?
1: I want to say in the hundreds of millions?
0: It's over a billion.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: When you start with a dollar, you end up at a billion (laughs) or over a billion. And so I think the point there is small things grown over time lead to massive results. That's how I built my wealth
1: welcome to personal finance cat where i share my personal take on personal finance
0: hi rocky welcome to the show thank you so much for having me excited to be here with you
1: yeah likewise maybe to start with can you share a bit about your background you're a very successful person financially currently but your journey didn't necessarily start there (laughs) and from what i understand you actually came to the country when you were a small child. So,
0: can you start with that? Sure. My parents immigrated to the United States when I was very young. They came from India and it was basically their second time starting over. And as with most immigrants, when you come here you usually don't have much. Um, So, we were on the wrong side of the tracks. But one of the unique things they did, and I realized it was unique much, much later in life, not back then, is all their other friends and so forth who came over around the same time, they would get together and they would talk about how to create success. They would talk about money. So money wasn't a taboo topic. It was something that people openly discussed and had conversations around. And I think because of that, and they did have um, success you know, back in India, they, in general, people were able to achieve success here relatively quickly. So, you know, still takes 10, 15 years, whatever it is. So I started to see people having success. We were never held back because, oh, you're an immigrant or this or that. It was like, hey, figure out how to make it work. And here are the principles of money, and here's how to live um, well and, and kind of create that balance. So we, everyone was all over the economic spectrum, but everybody was kind of pulling together.
1: That's awesome. So would you say the fact that you were so familiar with money, because that was a topic that was just at the dinner table and with friends, that was one of the key factors that contributed to your success?
0: I, I think, A, it was understanding money, B, it was a desire to build wealth. So from the time I was a young kid, I wanted to make money because I wanted the things that money offered, right? And so I think I always had that. I was always the kid who was working, hustling, making a buck. And so from that standpoint, I had the desire to make money, too. And then the third thing was I automated my finances. So I automated all my savings and I lived on what was left. So it was the constraints, the automation, and putting the time and the effort into understanding how it worked and and doing those types of things that I think the combination of all three helped me to be successful.
1: Gotcha. Sounds like you were very entrepreneurial, even since when you were a child. Did you ever work in a professional setting or did you go straight into business?
0: No. So I I was very entrepreneurial as a child. I got out of college. And to be honest, the my skills coming out of college were I knew how to build spreadsheets. But you have to realize this was probably the late 80s, early 90s. Nobody knew what spreadsheets were. I didn't even understand the value of them. So I did not know how to market that, and how to make that work. Um, My entrepreneurial skills were on a much smaller scale, buy something for x, sell it for double, make money, right? Um, I didn't understand the rest of this, and back then there was no easy way to learn how to do it. So I just—I had no idea how to market it, and I—I I had no idea the value of it. So I went into corporate, but literally, you know, the problem with good is it prevents great. When you're comfortable and you're happy, it—it it prevents you from from taking that that leap or that next step. So I got out and I made good money for my like within a year to two out of college, I was doing pretty well. And so I just kind of continued down that path. And I, and so I stayed in corporate for a good chunk of my life, but I was always doing things on the side.
1: Got it. Sorry. Um, how long were you in the corporate world?
0: Um, 30 years,
1: 30 years. Wow.
0: Yeah. So a long time. Yeah. I, but understand like towards the last 10 of those, I was doing real estate on the side. I was like, we had small things that we were playing with, trying making a buck here or there.
1: Gotcha. But are you now fully doing your own business?
0: Yes. Yeah, completely.
1: Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. Can you talk about what was the final transitioning point that made you comfortable to just detach from the corporate world?
0: So two things I had built wealth, so I, I didn't necessarily have to work for somebody else, but I still wanted to do things. So I think that was part of it. And then it was getting the push. So when things went downhill at work, It was like, well, I can stay in this industry and go find another job or I can go do my own thing. And really, it came down to this. If I wait another five to seven years to go do my own thing and I'm super successful at it, I will be so mad at myself for not doing it earlier. And so I think that was the big thing that said, just go do it. And I did.
1: Was your previous job a row in the corporate world? related to what you're doing now
0: 180 degrees
1: oh wow okay yeah
0: i was in sales in in an industry that i didn't love but it gave me time freedom and it gave me enough money to live a very good life and so because i had the money and i had the time freedom i went along with it i got my fulfillment elsewhere and i was okay with that it was a trade-off i made And I was happy with it.
1: Okay. Thinking back, would you have gone out of that world sooner, knowing what you know now?
0: I asked myself that. And I'll be honest, I work harder now than when I had a job. And I started this business right as my son was finishing high school. So I think it would have, the problem would have been the trade off of hey i was able to go to all their events i was able to coach their their robotics team i was able to coach their sports events i was able to go do all that stuff with i didn't have to worry about my clients i didn't have to worry about all that other stuff would i have loved to do it yes but would i have wanted to give up that part of my life no so i think it was it worked out for the best makes sense yeah otherwise i would have had to do it before i had kids
1: (laughs) yeah it's either and then
0: i could have have built up the systems and the freedom to do it during that period
1: yep i heard somebody say that you either have fun early or late right Mm -hmm. there's a trade-off
0: well it's funny because i like my first six, seven years, five, six years out of college, I worked a ton. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it was a slow downhill slide to more and more time. And then when I started the business, I went back to working a whole bunch again. Mm-hmm. But the difference, I think, between now and then is I only do what I love and that's it. Like, I don't fuss over the things. If, if I don't want to do it, I don't do it. And if I don't want to work with that client, I don't. So I have the freedom to say no.
1: Yeah. So then let's uh, dive in the business, right? Profit First. Can you talk about the framework? I think you have the book right behind you. And yes. See, and I think it was... Um,
0: Mike McCallowitz. Nobody Michael can say that.
1: <laughs> I struggled a bit there. Um, so, yeah. Can you tell us how you got into it and what's the concept there?
0: So I originally, I had started off in the personal finance world and trying to build a business there. And I just wasn't able to get traction in a way that worked for me with a business model that worked for me. And along that journey, I came to realize that business owners weren't looking at their finances. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And so the things that i did in personal finance were the same principles that work in business finance so that was a big part of it and then i was like okay i'm gonna go do this business finance part do i do it all myself and build my own or do i partner with somebody and in looking at all the different partnerships that were out there profit first was the way i did things It's the way I built wealth, and it was more in line with my philosophy. So it was a much better partnership for me to to do that. And basically what profit first is, is it's a cash flow management system for small businesses. It changes the equation from what we're all told, which is sales minus expenses equals profit, which means profit's a leftover, right? We've all been told, pay yourself first. And so what Mike did was switch the equation to essentially pay yourself first. Sales minus profit equals expenses. And so you pay yourself first and you constrain your spending. Because most businesses will, you know, business owners are told you gotta spend money to make money, which is the biggest lie. It's told to them by salespeople who want them to spend money with them, right? You don't necessarily have to spend money to make money. And and that's just kind of that, that undertone there. But the principles of it are the same thing as the principles of personal finance. Pay yourself first, give every dollar a job, allocate it to do its job, and then go about enjoying life and enjoying your business and do what works for you.
1: Gotcha. Would you say this principle apply to businesses in all stages, whether it's startup, mature, or somewhere in the middle?
0: It doesn't matter what your business is. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. The principles of profit first apply. The question is, how do you adapt it to your business? And that's where people struggle. They either don't know how to adapt it or how to set it up. But yes, it works for startups. I know people who've used it as a startup. I know people who've used it in growth businesses. I know people who've used it in mature businesses. Um, So it doesn't matter. And we've done it across a ton of different industries. So yeah, it doesn't matter. It's a a universal principle that applies to everybody except those allergic to money and profit.
1: (laughs) The reason why I asked that question was because I was just thinking that for growth companies, there is usually, you hear from media and whatnot that they have to spend a lot of money just growing the market, right? Especially if you think about tech companies.
0: Yeah, I I would love to hear your thoughts on that. So let me ask you a question. How many tech companies implode during the growth phase? Majority. Right? The majority. Mm -hmm. Even today, I I, I don't even know if Uber is profitable yet. Right, So here's my question to you. We believe that profit is a habit. It is not an event. Most business owners are like, I'll be profitable when. And when, as you said, never comes. Had you just taken the time to put a little bit of profit aside, if Uber just put 1% of their revenue aside every year, they'd have a crap ton of cash right now. And, and I think that's the problem. You know, when people are throwing money at you hand over fist and telling you to spend it, I will tell you most of those tech companies waste their money. They are not using it efficiently. They're not using it appropriately. They're just throwing money out there because they're getting whipped to spend money. And that is not a good business model. Most of us don't have that kind of people throwing money at us, it, you know. And even if you do, they're only going to throw it at you for so long. And then all of a sudden one day they show up and they they pull the noose on you. So it's really nice if you took a little bit of that and put it aside so that when that happens, you have your escape plan. Yep.
1: Yeah. That all sounds great. Can you talk about how you actually help? a typical client to achieve that? Are you looking at their financials and just assess where they can trim the fat, so to speak? How's that process usually?
0: So we do a variety of different things. Profit First is only a small portion of what we do. Profit First is about cash management and about... A big component of Profit First is to be frugal in your business right and we say frugal because you have to appropriately spend money but you should also get a return on the money you spend and it should be done up with value so i think that's the first step what we do is we look at a business and we look at the entire math of the business and then we try to figure it out And then we try to figure out what are the levers that are best to move so that we can work less and make more. And then what are the systems and processes we need to build to make this happen? So let's make this kind of simple. I'll walk you through some simple math. Let's say that I'm a web store, right? So how many people come to my website? Let's say 100 people come to my website. Right? I spend X amount of dollars on advertising. 100 people come to my website. What percentage of those people buy? Maybe 10% buy. So 100 people came, 10 people bought something from me. What was their average transaction? Let's say it was $100. So 10 people bought something for $100. I now have $1,000 in revenue, which is great. Now that I have my $1,000 in revenue, my question is how much did my cost of goods, right? How much is all my overhead? What am I paying for salaries, marketing, rent, all that stuff, and all of that comes out of my $1,000. And at the end, I'm left with my profit and my pay, and then from that, I pay my taxes. And now after that's all done, I might owe some money, right? Cause maybe I had to borrow to build. So now I also have to pay back my loans. So it's figuring that out. Maybe I have to buy inventory for tomorrow to sell tomorrow. So again, those are all things that are cash out the door. So let's go back to this whole um, math equation. Most people would come to you and say, well, you know, you spent a thousand dollars and you got a hundred leads. Spend $2,000 and you'll get 200 leads, right? That's what people say. Okay, I just doubled my marketing budget and now I have twice as much business, which means I'm working twice as hard. We rather say, well, wait a minute. Before you spend money on marketing, 100 people came to your website. Why did 90 leave? If we can figure out how to keep 10 more out of the 90 we put a little bit of thinking time into the business remember work on your business not in your business well if i put a little bit of thinking time in i didn't have to spend another penny on marketing and i just doubled my sales the other thing is how many times can i get somebody to come back and buy again because it's a lot easier to get a client to come back than they come for the first time so if i can teach you know, if, if I sold 10 things and I can get five of those people to come back again, well, I just increase sales by 50%. Now we get into pricing. What if I can re increase prices 10%? We've got inflation everywhere. If I can increase prices 10%, my profit goes up dramatically. Disproportionately, I make a lot more money if I just raise prices and do nothing else, most business owners are afraid to do this. And the last part of that whole equation is how do we cut our expenses in the business? But that's a, that's a small part of what we talk about. So it's not just about cutting expenses. It's about understanding all the math in your business. What are the factors? How can we best affect them? And how can we do it with the least amount of effort? So we like to work little and make more.
1: That's awesome. It sounds like it's more than just accounting or financial help that you're offering. It's yes. really providing strategy to figure out how to make the business more profitable overall.
0: Correct, most, most accountants and bookkeepers are a rear view mirror of what happened. They tell you what happened 30, 60, 90 days ago. No business owner cares. No business owner wakes up at two in the morning going, I wonder how my bookkeeping's going. Or I wonder how I did 30 days ago. They're all worried about what can I do today so I can have a dollar tomorrow. And that's really what we help them with. Based on what you've done in the past. What does it look like for tomorrow? And how do we make small tweaks to make tomorrow better?
1: Got it. Why do you think that a lot of business owners don't have that mindset to put profit first?
0: Most business owners are people. And so I'll ask you, why are so many people so horrible with personal finance? (laughs) Because it's the same concept. If the business owner is horrible with personal finance, they're not going to love it in business. Here's the reality of it. They went into business to do what they love. Maybe they're a plumber and they love plumbing, maybe they're a builder, maybe they're an artist, you know, m- maybe they're whatever it is that they do. What wasn't on that list was accountant. Right? Most business owners don't want to deal with the numbers. They don't want to deal with the finances. They don't want to deal with the accounting. That's just not their love. And the reality is, is we will not, if I've got a hundred things to do today and 10 of them, I hate, well, I'm not going to do those 10. And unfortunately the numbers and the finances for most business owners fall into those 10. Makes
1: sense. Can you share some of the other common mistakes that you've seen in your consulting businesses and how you help them overcome?
0: Well, so I think the number one thing is most business owners don't understand their clients and what they're coming for. So that's a major thing. So understanding the client and what are they really buying? All right. And so for example, um, you sell decks, what are people buying? Are they buying a deck?
1: They're buying the entertainment it provides?
0: That's correct. They're buying the ability to sit outside in the summer and enjoy their family. The question you have to ask yourself is, are you selling decks or are you selling enjoyment? And when you can understand that shift, then you can get more value. And charge higher prices. And then you're more likely to sell. Because you're understanding what your client truly wants. They want the experience of being outside. And they want a certain type of experience of being out there. Maybe they want a fire pit. Maybe they don't. You know, Maybe they want the barbecue island. Maybe they want this. In understanding what your customer is truly trying to accomplish. You can better serve them. Number two, business owners like people spend too much. So making sure that you're appropriately spending, um, in business, everything needs to get tracked. What gets measured gets improved. Most business owners don't have measurement systems for every part of their business. And if they do, sometimes they have the wrong measurement systems. In other words, they apply the wrong number to something. And when you do that, you get the outcome you asked for, but it may not be the one you want. So there's a certain bank out there that everybody hates that was opening up credit cards without the customer's approval, right? Why did they do that? Because they incentivized their people to open up accounts and whip them until they did it. So they did what you told them, but it wasn't a good metric that comes down to very simple things in the business. And so if you don't have good metrics, you don't have the right metrics and you don't have the right incentives, then that's a problem. The other thing is they don't build good culture. And so you've got to build a good culture. You've got to figure out your why, and you've got to share it. I can't tell you how many times you can walk into a company and up on the wall, it's it's their vision statement. And if you take their employees and turn them around and say, how many of you can tell me what the vision is statement is behind you? None of them know. And more importantly, raise your hand if the company is in alignment with its vision statement. Most aren't, right? We treat our employees with the utmost respect. Why are you so blah, 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 blah? Yeah, right? <laughs> your boss doesn't exemplify what's on the wall it's all fake. And, and I think COVID has really brought that to the light in, in the way that businesses operate and in what businesses and people do. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, there's so many more we could probably (laughs) go into.
1: No, those are great. Yeah. I think what you are providing here is very, very valuable. And I think probably way more businesses need to hear about this, but, um, I'm curious how you were able to transition from working in a corporate world for a sales job to understanding all of this in order to provide that to other businesses.
0: I already understood all of this. Oh, okay. Right. I under like I have an MBA, I built my wealth. All of these are universal principles. And what I did was then adapt and use the language of the business owner to do these types of things right so if you go back to a person you define for you what do you want out of life right what's important to you those are your values right what do you want your day to look like how much money do you want to make what are you willing to trade off for that what are you doing to improve yourself to increase your value in the marketplace right it's, it's all the same principles. How are you running your house efficiently? And where are you sending your personal money to buy your time back or to do different things? They're all the same principles. They're just being applied on a larger scale. Most people don't apply them in their personal life and that's why their business life is usually a mess. It's the same principles. So we actually, like, when we talk to business owners, we talk about money mindsets because a business owner with a bad money mindset is going to run a business that struggles. And so it's just, it's that intersection. And I think that's where we're different in that we, we understand the people and their behaviors on top of understanding the finances. And it's that merger that we do that's very, very different.
1: Gotcha. Maybe now it's a good segue to transition to the personal finance side of things. You mentioned principles which are applicable for personal finance as well as managing businesses in terms of the cash flow. Can you talk about maybe the top three, let's say, principles that are most useful for managing personal finances?
0: So how much have you talked about compounding? Not so far. So go ahead. Not so far. <laughs> All right. If I gave you a dollar today, and tomorrow we doubled it, you would have two dollars, right? Mm-hmm. If we took the two dollars and we doubled it the next day, you would have four dollars. The day after that, you'd have eight dollars, right? Day after that, you'd have sixteen. At this point, if you're listening, you're going sixteen dollars. Whoop de doo da. How much do you think a dollar doubled every day? Meaning that sequence that I just gave you, how much do you think that'd be worth on day 31, the end of a month?
1: I know the answer, so it's not fair. But I would say the starting point was even one penny, I want to say.
0: It was a penny, but we've got inflation now, so it's (laughs) a dollar.
1: All right. I want to say in the hundreds of millions,
0: it's, a bill, it's over a billion.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe I, I started with the penny.
0: <laughs> you started with the penny, right? With the penny, you end up, I think, at like 10 million. Okay. When you start with a dollar, you end up at a billion <laughs> yeah. or over a billion. And so I think the point there is small things grown over time lead to massive results. That's how I built my wealth. It takes, nobody can do this in 31 days. You might be able to do it in 31 years, right? But if you wanted to do it in 15 years, you just gotta start with a little bit more, right? Mm -hmm. That's all. People don't set up systems and processes to do this automatically. Life happens, you have your ups and downs, you get busy. If you automate and you create systems to keep your money growing and compounding, and occasionally look at it, you will absolutely, absolutely build wealth. It's just simple math. So I think that is the biggest mistake. The second biggest mistake is they take the time to, to not start. So let's look at that person. They put a dollar in. At the end of 31 days, they had a billion dollars. How much did they have it? day 30 half that half a billion how much they have at day 29
1: half of that which is 250 million
0: 250 million right day 28 125 million right day 27 67 67. 67 million right yeah yeah right Day 26 would have been $32.5 million. Mm-hmm. The guy who waited five days literally gave up a billion dollars. He's got, I mean, no doubt he's got his millions, but that is a dramatic difference in, in life. The same thing happens with somebody who doesn't start saving when they're 21 and says, I'll wait till I'm 30 or 35 or 40, God forbid you wait till you're 55, the curve's gone. You're going to have $16, right? Mm -hmm. You're not going to have much because you didn't let the system work for you. So I think that's the biggest thing is A, not implementing, B, waiting, right? At the end of the day, though, we spend too much. So if you can start, if you can keep your spending in line, then you can have that access to build wealth. I don't care who you are. Somebody out there makes $10,000 less than you. They're just as happy as you. And well, that's $10,000 wasted every year. That's $10,000 that could go into savings that could start to build real wealth. That gives you the time freedom to do what you love. So I think that's a big part of it. I think people mindlessly spend money expecting it's going to make them happy or to try and keep up or because they didn't even notice they've got all these subscription services that they're paying for that nobody's using and the gym membership planet fitness's entire gym model is based on i pay ten dollars a month to say i belong to a gym not actually show up at a gym and they've sold people that hey for ten bucks you can say you belong to a gym please don't come in so that that's it like Figure out your numbers, figure out how to live within your means or below your means. It doesn't mean you can't live a rich lifestyle. And I think this is where people get it wrong. They're always buying things to impress other people instead of things that excite themselves. So go spend your money on what you enjoy. Keep the extra that you were wasting and go build wealth so you have time freedom in the future. You can say, screw you to a, a job. Or whatever you want to say, screw you too.
1: Right. So naturally, I think my follow up questions to you will be number one, how do you manage your spending so that you have money left over to invest? And number two, how do you invest the money so that you can get a steady return?
0: So I think the first thing for everyone to do is answer a simple question. Okay. Budgets are like diets. They suck. All right. Where is your money flowing? so look at your past spending and say where did my money flow and ask yourself are you happy with where it went to or if you sit down and you look at it and you go i spent all this money i'm really not that happy with where it went well stop sending it there so i think the first thing is awareness of where your money's going the second step is not spending money in areas that don't bring you joy and happiness that are just wasted. And I think for most people, that is a large part of their money. And I think the problem is the biggest expenses are the ones that people get locked into and screwed on. So housing, cars, entertainment. Get those three in line, you know, or shopping, depending on the person. Get those four in line. And make your trade-offs. You know, maybe a nicer house is more important than a nicer car. Maybe a nicer car is much more important than a nicer house. You figure it out for you. Figure out what you want and build access. The second way to do that is hold your spending constant and earn more money. Either one works, right? Play with the dials that work best for you. And then, once you have the excess to start with, just start putting it aside. And after you start putting it aside, worry next about how to invest it. Here's what I mean if I've got a dollar, if I get 1%, 10%, or 50% return on that dollar, it doesn't really matter. If I've got a billion dollars and I get 1%, 5%, or 50% return, it means a lot. In the beginning, just save and over time, learn the skills of investing and multiplying your money. Some people it's real estate, some people it's stocks and bonds, crazy people it's Bitcoin, you know, it's up to you, (laughs) but figure out different ways and and you can use multiple streams of income and multiple streams of investing to figure out how to do it. If you really don't want to deal with it, then you can outsource it. Just understand what you're outsourcing and what the cost of outsourcing is. So a lot of these money managers will charge you a lot of money. At the same point, you could go to Vanguard or Fidelity, pick a a fund that invests in the market as a whole. Just invest in that and forget about it until you have enough money that returns start to matter. And that's going to take a long time.
1: Yeah. Do you have a rule of thumb of when would it start to matter or does that vary individually?
0: I, I think it varies individually, but I will say, I think for most people, for the first hundred thousand, they'll focus on generating the first hundred thousand to save and then start to worry more about how it's invested.
1: Okay. And would you have, for the more advanced listeners, would you have a recommendation or preference of which asset class to invest in, real estate, stocks, alternative investments?
0: I think you have to look at yourself and say, where are your skill sets? Do you have skills for real estate and real estate investing? Do you have skills for stock market investing? Do you have skills for alternative investing? Where are your skills and where can your knowledge be best applied to get the best return? Number one. And number two, in all three of those, there are times when certain ones are great and there are times when certain ones are bad because the economy goes through cycles. So that's the second part. Which one is trending at the moment? which ones do you have the skills for and the time and the effort? Cause it's still a time for, it's a time versus effort trade off versus your returns. All of them take a little bit of management. Some take more, some take less.
1: Does that also describe your personal journey? Cause you mentioned that you invested in real estate, for example, when you were still working, yep. I'm assuming that you invested in stock market as well. So have you always been mixing and matching depending on the market?
0: I have been mixing and matching depending on markets and opportunities. Like right now, I wouldn't be buying real estate unless you know how to buy distressed property in certain areas, you know, because there's changes, but that requires a certain amount of knowledge to be able to do that. So I think, you know the markets go up and down learn to buy when things are cheap most people get excited and buy when they're expensive
1: yeah well
0: said it's because think about it if i go to the grocery store and bread double this month am i rushing out to buy more bread no if i go to the supermarket and bread's on sale for 50 percent off am i likely to buy a little more bread sure yes Well, why is it when the stock market's 50% off, nobody wants to buy it? And when the stock market doubles, everybody wants to buy it.
1: Crowd mentality.
0: (laughs) Crowd mentality, FOMO. Yeah. No one has FOMO of buying expensive bread.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Very true. Are there other tips that you can share to help people get over the hump? Because. You know, a lot of the times I yeah. just hear people say, Well, I just really don't have any money to save because at the end of the month, I just pay all the bills and there's nothing left. So, how can I, like, where do I even begin?
0: So, first thing, where is that money going? Most of those people have no idea where that money's going. True. So, A, where is your money going? And then start. Just, I don't care if it's a dollar. You know, Mm -hmm. if you can't save a dollar a day, then I I don't know what your problem is, right? You're wasting it. You're probably wasting five of it at Starbucks in the morning. I mean, (laughs) it's a choice you make. If that's your love, then go find something else to save on, right? But everybody can find ways to cut their spending in one way or another and start to build towards it. The second thing is start. It's really hard to go from zero to one. It's really easy to go from one to a hundred. So, well, I'll tell you a joke. Do you know the most expensive weight in Planet Fitness? We talked about Planet Fitness. That's why I'm asking.
1: Membership fee?
0: No, that's only ten bucks a month. That's cheap.
1: (laughs) The most expensive weight?
0: Yeah, in Planet Fitness.
1: Oh, the people?
0: Not the people you give up.
1: Sure. Yeah. I give up. It's the front
0: door. Nobody can seem to open it and get inside and work out. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. I, I gotcha, right. Okay. right. you got to start. Yeah. Right. You just go. And in the beginning it's sloppy. It's ugly. It's stressful. But once you start, it becomes easier and easier. You become more and more comfortable. That's just life. You know, the first time you rode a bicycle, you fell over. If you were smart, you laughed and you got back up. Yeah, that's it. All
1: right. So then the other excuse I feel like I hear people say is, well, I really don't have time to learn how to invest and I don't know who to trust to hire, to manage my money and my retirement account or whatever just doesn't change over time. So what do you say to that?
0: Well, so first question is, are they putting money into it? Yes or no? Because if they're not putting money into it, that's probably why it's not changing. It. <laughs> right. Or it's just invested in in cash in, for the last quite a few years. Um. It has not done well. I, I think if you read one book on money, which means it's one weekend, you can probably start to make some of those changes. So a couple of books to think about on money, Morgan Housel's, uh, psychology of money that, that talks a lot about money mindsets. Um, Ramit Shetty's. I will teach you to be rich. It literally gives you the blueprint for how to do this. If you really don't want to do it, but you want to do simple, like mm-hmm. he just—he basically says, just invest in the S and P five hundred and forget about it. Go buy the the S and P five hundred index, and it's available pretty much in every four hundred one k. Just go invest and forget, and set the automated giving. You can do that too at least you are started.
1: Yeah. I think Simple Path to Wealth also basically has the same message. Just put They're it
0: all the same message in a different <laughs> wrapping. Yeah, yes.
1: exactly. But I like the point about just read one book. That's really not that much to ask. Perfect. And then I wanted to ask your view on investing versus starting your own business or buying a business to run because recently i've heard a lot about buying businesses is probably the best way of building wealth investing is good but it sort of limits to whatever initial capital you have but building a business can really accelerate that a lot and then small businesses especially have A much smaller multiple compared to large companies which you can buy stocks of what do you think of that
0: everything you said is correct except one thing that is if you're gonna buy a small business you've got to learn how to run it if you don't know how to run that small business you will run it into the ground okay that's what none of these people talk about Right. It goes back to where we started. You know, how many leads do you have coming in? What's your conversion rate? How much are you selling for? How much revenue do you have? How much is your overhead for your employees? Oh, I bought a business and it's just going to run itself. Like you've been to most businesses, half the employees don't show up. Somebody's stealing. Right. If it doesn't look clean and no one unlocks the front door. Nobody's coming in to buy anything. Like they make it sound like, oh, you just buy a business and it runs itself. Yeah. Go look at wherever you work right now and ask yourself, is it just running yourself? Like, Do you think this company would run if there was no leadership at it daily, grinding away at making sure everything was perfect? Yes, business is a great way to make a lot more money. Real estate is second and real estate takes a lot less effort and work and you don't have to create demand for real estate. What I mean by that is everybody needs a place to live and sleep. I don't need to create demand for housing. I just need to offer good housing at a reasonable price and it will fill up. Guaranteed. Now more so than ever, just don't go into the hood, right? That's just the reality of it. Yeah. Go put it in a place that's reasonable to live and you'll do fine working in a job is your least likely way to make money that's the reality of it but it is also a matter of effort
1: yeah and i really agree with your message i think earlier in the conversation about competitive advantage for what you're good at right i think running a business, definitely, especially small businesses, it's really hard to find a passive one where you can be hands off. I I read a book recently, The Dondo Investor by Monish Parai. He talks about how the Patels in the US, even though they're such a small percentage of the population, but they own 50% or more of the entire nation's motel business.
0: You know why? Do you know what they do? They, their families are the ones in there cleaning.
1: Exactly. So Running it's the desk. Right. It's work. Yeah. And even Charlie Munger is like, there's no way you can compete with the Patels. They know how to run the motel business. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so, yeah, to your point, I think it's not as easy as some people probably put out. It to be that you can run a business and just outsource the labor because that's literally where the margins come from is – we cut the expenses because they have other ways of leveraging family for example so then i think maybe just um kind of pivot a little bit to talk about happiness right i think a lot of the times we just assume that when your personal finance is in order people are happy but that's not always the case so have you thought about sort of the connection of how to balance being happy and also being financially disciplined because a lot of the times let's say another thing that people talk about is that if i'm frugal i'm just so like upset because i just want to buy my latte in the morning i just want to buy my lamborghini what do you say to that
0: they think buying stuff is going to make them happy and that's literally all wasted money all right figure out what you enjoy and what makes you happy and go do it Money isn't going to make you happy. Money is going to alleviate your burdens, right? But in and of itself, it's not going to make you happy. Once you get to a certain point, whether you have a 3000 or a 5000 square foot house, no difference. You know, uh, granted going out and buying the luxury car is nice, but after a couple weeks It's boring unless you happen to be a luxury car enthusiast, in which case go buy 10 of them, rent them out, make money and turn it into your business. Like, that's okay, right? Get paid to do what you love. And I think that there's a balance there and you've got to figure it out for you. But I think too often people are just looking for material success and that is not going to come. So figure it out. It it and it's you can't. Everyone wants somebody else's recipe, but that's their recipe, what they like. You know, if you're going out and buying everyone's chocolate cake recipe and you hate chocolate, no wonder your life sucks.
1: (laughs) Great. Last question to you is: Do you have a recommendation for a book other than I think the ones that we talked about that really changed your life and you think
0: can really help people? Oh yeah. So let's go totally off Um, here. It's called Living Forward, A Proven Plan to Stop Drifting and Get the Life You Want. It's by Michael Hyatt and Daniel Harkavy. Basically what this is, is it's a book. It'll take you a few months to... Reading the book is really simple. Doing the work in the book will take you a few months. But what it does is it allows you to sit down and figure out what you want from life And put a plan to get it. And it doesn't just look at your money, it looks at your health, it looks at your relationships, your spouse, your kids, your religion, every part of your life. Sit down, decide what you want out of that part of life. Look at where you are today, look at where you want to be, and come up with a plan to get from here to there.
1: That's awesome. I'll definitely check it out. I don't think I've heard of that one before. All right. So, um, before I let you go, where can people find more about you?
0: So I have two websites. If you're a business person, ProfitComesFirst.com is where you'll learn the business side. If you want to learn the life side, we do that at RicherSoul.com.
1: All right. Got it. Thank you so much, Rocky. This is very interesting conversation. I definitely enjoyed it. Thanks for coming on the show.
0: Thank you for having me. And both of those podcasts are also, both of them show up as podcasts. You'll learn a lot and you'll continue the conversation. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you. Have a good day.
0: Thanks.